Good evening, everybody. Great to see you. I hope you've been having a terrific week. It's great to be able to stop in the middle of it and to enjoy some Bible classes. And as you've been doing, to also enjoy some fellowship. We have some announcements to make. Then we'll sing, have a devotional and a prayer, and then enter into those Bible classes. We have some sick folks to add to the list that are ongoing concerns. One is Rachel Daniels. Uh, she has been at the hospital here in town with severe back pain. Not much that they can do for her. Jeremy Owens, who is Rita Panel's son, he has a stage three brain tumor and it began to bleed. So he was airlifted to the hospital in Jackson and they were going to be doing surgery at five o'clock today. So hopefully that went very well. Okay, we have had some great things happening this week. Started on Sunday with Jackson Cobb's baptism. Many of you were able to witness that. And then on Monday, Irene Baker, who is Melinda Hester's mother. You know, she's been on our sick list for a long, long time. And her grandson, Josh, has tried to study with her in the past concerning matters related to her soul. And for a long time, she was very resistant to that. But I understand that Brenda Dawson and her are really good friends. And after Don's death, Brenda just reached out to her and had some really great conversations, which resulted on Monday in Irene being baptized into Christ. Isn't that just wonderful? I just, um, I'm so excited about what happened there and grateful to everybody who contributed to that. It's just wonderful. And then today, Tristan Farr, was baptized into Christ. And a lot of us been waiting on that one. <laughs> uh, Tristan is just a, a fantastic young man and he decided that today was the day. So his dad baptized him into Christ. It's just wonderful to see. Now we got this water going now so we could take some more, no problem at all, if you're subject to that invitation. On Sunday morning after services, if you are one of the Horizons campers, along with your parent, there's going to be a meeting in the chapel. So immediately after our morning worship on Sunday, if you're going to Horizons, we need a camper and the parent to meet in the little chapel. There's an outreach project that's going on actually in conjunction with Horizons. They're assembling 2,500 back-to-school packets for Chester County school students. There's a list of items that you can provide. The thing is, you need to have that in the barrel here by Sunday. Golden Circle is very active, going to breakfast on June the 26th. That's Monday, to the pit stop, going to leave at 830 and then there is a boat trip scheduled for July the 7th. If you'd like to go on that trip, there's a sign-up sheet. And the last time I saw it, there was one space left. So if you want to get on that boat, you better row on over there and sign that list. 
There's a salad luncheon for Fried Hardman Associates. They're sponsoring it. It's pretty famous around here. People ask about it all the time. It's going to be June the 30th from 11 until 1 p.m. in the Annex. The plates are $10. You can pre-purchase a plate if you like from any of the associates. We have any associates here tonight? Raise your hand. Look for those hands. You can go buy you a ticket. Just run right to them as quick as you can. There's a gospel singing at the Danville Church this Friday night beginning at 7. I'm sure they would love for you to participate in that. Doug is away. Tonight's the last night of a gospel meeting at Red Bay. So we are also praying that that is a huge success. Turner Foster is going to be leading our singing. I'll have some devotional thoughts. And then Jerry Barrett is going to lead us in our closing prayer. So please get a songbook and participate in our time of devotion. The invitation song tonight will be number 904. 904. The song for the devotion will be number 867. Through Canaan's land, I'm on my way. 867. <clears throat> To chapter 6 and verse 10, right there in the midst of Jesus' example of prayer for his disciples, Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. God's will being done on earth like it is in heaven. Well, we know that God's will is done in heaven. He speaks and all the heavenly hosts respond and seemingly tremble at his voice. Even the very structure, if we would call it such, shakes when God opens his mouth and speaks. So God's will is done there without exception. And it's really interesting that, generally speaking, the physical world also steps in line with the will of God. The planets keep their course. The sun 
We see it rise and fall every day, the moon in its course. The oceans rise and fall according to, well, purpose. Every animal that's born follows the same instincts that that particular type of animal has followed since it was created. And they become distinctive because of those very traits. Even plant life goes through the process of its life like clockwork. Everything in heaven and on earth falling under the will and the direction of Almighty God, except for one creature. Man determines whether or not he will follow the will of God. When things are comfortable in our lives, I can say, your will be done, because I'm like, it must be God's will that things are going well. I wake up, I feel healthy, I'm living in a house for shelter, I know that there's food in the refrigerator, I have a job. Your will be done, Lord, because I'm just confident it'll keep going that way. But what about when your life isn't that comfortable? When you wake up in the morning and you see you're not living in a house. You don't have food in the refrigerator. You don't have a job. Is it still as easy to say, Lord, your will be done? Do I have the same thinking in mind that my state in this world is just as much according to the will of God when I'm uncomfortable as it is when I'm comfortable? Truth is that regardless of the state that we find ourselves in, God's will is to be done. And those who are falling within the framework and the direction of that will, have responsibilities toward it. In the book of Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 23, Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what? Profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Another truth to keep in mind is that all of us, in one way or another, regardless of whether we're comfortable or uncomfortable, are a party to the unfolding will of God. What makes the difference is whether I set my heart and my mind to do that will under my own accord. Just as heaven and earth follow in the steps of God's will. Tonight, that's the question for you. Maybe it is. You're already doing that. It should be an encouragement just to think of God's will being done in your life. But if you're apart from God, if you're an alien to him, tonight gives you an opportunity yet 
to obey the gospel, have your sins washed away, to be added to the body of Christ, to be one with Jesus. If there's someone who's subject to that, then tonight is your opportunity. Why don't you come forward if you need to while we stand together and sing. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this short time this evening that you've allowed us to gather in thy name. We're so grateful for those that have been saved this week through baptism. It's such a wonderful thing, and thank you for that, dear Father. May more souls be saved. At this time, as we prepare for classes, we're so thankful for thy word to learn from, for the children and all of us as we are children of God. And in Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. I'm satisfied with
Foster. He says that Andrew Langley was baptized at camp this week. It's an epidemic. That's a good kind, isn't it? Isn't that exciting? I just, man, it's wonderful. Glad to see these things happening. Okay, let's go for our sick. And again, just, we've been praying for her just for the longest time. And I'm just so glad to hear that she was baptized. Uh, Austin Wentz is John Wilda Gardner's grandson. He has cancer, undergoing treatments. Wade Davis has been missing since June the 22nd. That's tomorrow. Will be one year. Carolyn Wilcutt's recovering. Bobby Petty has lung cancer. Kelby Smith is not well with Parkinson's. Van Roberts has pancreatic cancer. Paul Rollison, brain cancer. Lex Crossan has several health issues. Uh, Norma Hemwell is sick. Joan and Luther, they've gone on a road trip. So they were going to go see Shelby, and then I think they're going to the mountains for a few days. So remember them. It should, how long does it normally take to drive that far? It'll be half that for Luther if he's driving. Uh, Marty Woodruff and his wife Donna both have cancer. Eli Johnson uh, has cancer, undergoing treatments. James Goddard has cancer. John Roten, he has Parkinson's disease. And also, remember Peggy, she's been ill lately. Uh, Ann Langford's Lisa's friend has leg uh, pain. Emma Hutton has cancer. Paula Nichols has cancer. Sharon Strickland, Grayson Miller have cancer. Uh, Scotty Ennis, this is uh, Lori Smith's cousin, uh, he had a stem cell transplant done and seems to be doing well with that. Paul Goldman has lymphoma. Pat Moore has breast cancer. Teresa Burcham has cancer. Laura Galloway's doing well with her pregnancy. Lauren Brumley's doing well. Linda Garrett's still undergoing. How, how many treatments you got left? Two to go on the chemo and then radiation. Barbara Foster has cancer. Dave Woodrow is dealing with some problems. Um, mentioned uh, Jeremy Owens. Uh, he's undergoing surgery, maybe, maybe now. Uh, Marley Warner. He released. Released. 95% healed, he said. Okay. I got to do is just leverage you back to normal activities. Okay, great. Great. Well, we'll pray for her, and then I guess I'll take her off the list. Just not sick? No. 95%? That's great. Uh, Larry Muse, friend of Joe's, has colon cancer. Angie South has cancer. Lennox Kenimer, five years old, has leukemia. Brenda Taylor is a friend of Lisa's, has bladder cancer. Linda's here. We're going to pray for you, and you're off the list. Sorry, kicking you out. <laughs> we're, we're glad for that. Uh, Roy Taylor. How's he doing? Okay, we're still uh, waiting. Uh, possibly, I heard possibly a stent on the 27th. So maybe that's true. Minnie Yarbrough, remember her. Michael McBrayer's four years old, taking trips to St. Jude. Joy Jamison, he's probably going to have an aorta surgery uh, soon. He's also having to learn, make some lifestyle adjustments. Uh, Janie Toller is 
uh, rehabbing. Flora Warner injured herself. Eddie Scott has cancer. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Larry George has health issues. That's Bob's friend. Uh, Joanne Roberts, uh, how are you? Um, Still nervous? You got my name I know. Oh, I did. What did I do wrong with it? It's J O A N N. Two N's. And no E. How about that? Look at there, the magic. And no E. No E? No e. I can take that off too, watch me. Amazing. Okay, I, I want to try and get those things right. I take a stab at it. I don't mind changing it. Sir? She's mean as ever. <laughs> you want me to put that on here too? No, better not. Uh, Becky Kendrick's grand nephew, uh, he and his wife, they had a baby that died. Mother is under care right now. Uh, Sybil Tolleson has Alzheimer's. That's Jerry Ligon's neighbor. Um, Rachel Daniels, uh, severe back pain, I guess, related to her condition. Jeremy Owens uh, mentioned uh, having surgery now. And these baptisms, and now I can add Andrew to that. We're just really, really glad for all of that. Okay, anybody else? Brother Ken, I had the Chris Lucia's family. Uh, he, he's the assistant baseball coach at, at East Union over where my kids go to school. He passed away with leukemia. Dean Arnold's family on there, she passed away Monday. Her funeral's going to be Friday. Most people knew Richard Arnold. Uh, that was his will. What was, you want to take a stab at Chris's last name? L-U-C-I-U-S. Just like it sounds. Okay. Kim, the two Brumley girls had... Um, there are adenoids and tonsils taken out and uh, tubes put in their ears today, I believe. I saw them on Facebook. Both of them. Can you spell tonsils? My illness. That, wow, both of them at the same time. Okay. Well, let's, yes? Take Angie Sath off. She died about two or three weeks ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, I depend on y'all to keep this up to date for me. Yes? Yeah, I thought I wrote that on there, but I didn't. Thank you for reminding me. Mary Alice injured both ankles. Possibly 
strains, strain, the, the one swelled so much they really couldn't x-ray it to see if it was broken or what. It looked terrible. Okay, let's pray for these folks and then uh, we'll begin our class and get, get to our exam here pretty soon. All right, let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your blessings today. What a great day. And we're just, we're just rejoicing in Andrew Langley's baptism that we just heard about a moment ago and for Tristan's baptism. We're thankful for Jackson and for Sister Irene. We're just, we're just overwhelmed about these good things that are happening. We, we pray that that trend will continue. We pray, Lord, you'll be with Doug, who's probably preaching right now. We pray that he'll have good success in his meeting. We thank you, Lord, for this time we can be together to talk about things that are on our hearts, like these folks who are sick that we know, and we're praying for recovery for them, and we're thankful that we can just assemble and encourage one another in person. We pray for Irene Baker, who's suffering with cancer, and we just pray she'll have good days. Bless Austin Wentz and his recovery. Bless the Davis family, as Wade has been missing for a year. We pray for Carolyn Wilcutt, that she can be back regularly with us again. Bless Bobby Petty in his battle with cancer. We pray for Kelby Smith that he'll have good days despite his Parkinson's disease. Bless Van Roberts who has cancer. Paul Rollison who has cancer. Pray for Lex Crossan that he'll have good days. Bless Norma Hemwell that her health will get better and be with Joan and Luther as they travel and keep them safe return them back to us. Pray for the Woodruffs who are battling cancer. Bless Eli Johnson as he goes through his treatments. Bless James Goddard who has cancer. We pray for John Roten that he'll have some good days and that he can have his condition treated and feel better. And bless Peggy too. We pray for Ann Langford that she can be free from pain. For Emma Hutton who has cancer. Paul Nichols who has cancer. Sharon Strickland, Grayson Miller all have cancer. We're thankful to hear that Scotty Ennis has received a successful treatment. We pray that his condition will go into remission. Bless Paul Goldman who has cancer, Pet Mora who has cancer. Bless Teresa Burcham and we're thankful she's been responding to treatments. Please bless Laura and Lauren as they both go through their pregnancies. Keep them healthy and their babies healthy. Bless Linda Garrett with strength and endurance to go through these treatments that she's facing. We thank you for the great example she is to us. Bless Barbara Foster, who has cancer. Bless Dave Woodrow, who is struggling. We pray he'll have better days ahead. We pray for Jeremy Owens that his surgery is successful. And bless Rita as she's right there with him. We pray for Marley. We're rejoicing that she has been successful in recovery, and we just pray she'll have no additional problems. Bless Larry Muse, who has cancer. Be with the South family and Angie's passing and comfort them. Be with Lennox Kenimer as he undergoes treatments. Bless Brenda Taylor, who has bladder cancer. We're thankful Linda 
is back regularly and doing well, and we pray she'll have a full recovery, and, and bless her as she's seeking treatment for her back. Pray for Roy Taylor, that he'll get strong enough for his treatment that's coming soon. Pray for Minnie Arbra, that she'll have good days. Bless Micah McBrayer as he and his parents travel back and forth to St. Jude. Pray for Joey Jamison, that he can make the adjustments necessary to improve his health. Bless Janie Toller, who fell and injured herself. We pray full recovery. Bless Flora Warner also, that she can recover. We pray for Eddie Scott, who's under hospice care. We pray that he can be comforted in his condition. Bless Larry George, that he'll have good days. Be with Joanne, that she can get some kind of treatment that will help alleviate these symptoms that she's enduring. We pray for the Rains family in their loss and for Catherine's health. Bless Sybil Tollison, who has Alzheimer's. We pray for Rachel Daniels that her situation will improve. We pray for Jeremy Owens again, Lord, as he's probably in surgery right now. We pray it's a great success. Be with our new Christians for Jackson and Irene Baker and Tristan Farr and now Andrew Langley. We just pray your blessings surrounding them as they begin their walk. Be with the Chris Lucius family and encourage them. Be with the Arnold family. We pray for the Brumley girls who had the surgery. I'm sure it's very uncomfortable and trying for the parents right now, but we pray that it was for the best and that they'll recover quickly. And we pray for Mary Alice as she has injured her ankles. We pray that she can recover quickly and feel well again and just be back to her normal walk. We ask, Lord, that you'll bless us now as we're studying together and help us, Lord, that we can enjoy great family circumstances that we'll be able to follow in the patterns that you have established and we can enjoy your blessings because we're doing, as we talked a moment ago, your will. We pray, Lord, that as long as we're doing that, that we can see the tangible results, especially in our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're talking about what the Bible has to say about tending to our families. Tonight, I want to start by looking at some verses of Scripture. I want us to see that God's intention is that we find blessings in our families, as I noted in our prayer, when we're committed to doing the will of God. And those blessings are, we're going to look at four texts of Scripture, but there are so many others that contribute to this. But we're going to set these up so that we can look at the elements that we have talked about so far that help to contribute to a fantastic family condition in our lives. First text is from the Psalms, and it's just one verse of Scripture. In fact, I just want to look at the first phrase that's found in that text. It's Psalm 68 and verse 6. What does that say, Rick? God setteth the solitary in families. Okay, you can stop right there. God sets the solitary 
in families. What is the solitary? Are you frightened? <laughs> what does it mean? What is, when you play a game of solitary, what is that? And you play it all by yourself. So if you are a solitary person, what does that say about you? You're alone. You know one condition humans don't do well in? Aloneness. Aloneness. So what did God devise as an antidote to the problems that arise in solitude? The family. In fact, think about that. When God created Adam, why did he create Adam? I mean, he's got a perfect human being right here. And he's got a perfect paradise. He should be fine. What was wrong with it? He shouldn't be alone. He's alone. It is not good for man to be alone. I will create a helper comparable to him. Okay? That's God's idea. We're not meant to be alone. God's desire is we be in. In fact, this text points to that very fact. The solitary, where do they belong? They belong in families. Absolutely. Think about, and this actually comes out of the Ten Commandments. It's Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. What does that text say? Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Okay, honor your father and your mother. Who are they? They're your parents. They're the leaders in the family. The parents' responsibility is to care for and to give instruction to. We need to do some jumping jacks. I've been having, I've been teaching in South Africa for the last two weeks, and I've been having that problem with them too. I'll say something, they'll sit there like this. Of course, their problem is it's really cold. It's winter right now. They're all sitting in the classroom with heavy coats and toboggans and so forth and gloves. I mean, they're freezing to death. So I get that when they sit like this, but hey, here we go. So we got parents whose responsibility is to train the children. And then notice he's speaking specifically to the children. You, had, you have a responsibility too, and that's to do what? Honor those parents. If you'll honor those parents who are instructing you, trying to get you to do the right thing, then if you do the right thing, what will happen? You'll, you'll be, and that's, that's what we're getting to. In the family are the blessings. If you will live according to the instruction of God, God instructed the parents to train the children. He instructed the children to honor the parents in obedience to what the parents teach. And when you do that, Will good things happen or bad things? Good things, generally speaking. Now, we can all think of circumstances where terrible tragedies happen. That is not the point of this. The point of this is if you'll do the right thing, then you'll be blessed for it. In example, if you're a child and you follow and you respect your parents, you obey them, good things are going to happen. You'll have a long life because you will not be experimenting with things that probably would end your life or certainly shorten it. So choose right, obey your parents. Now, we're going to go back to the Psalms, and I love the way this text unfolds. And this kind of gives you a picture of what happens within the family. It's in Psalm 127, 
and verses 3, 4, and 5. Okay, go ahead and read that. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is Okay, stop right there. Stop right there. Children are a heritage from the Lord. What does the word heritage mean? Actually, its meaning is similar to the word itself. A gift. It's an inheritance. So gift is the idea. Children are your inheritance. From whom? From the Lord Himself. Think about that. So there you're... God is doing what to a couple when He brings children into that family? He is blessing that family. Okay, go ahead, Rick. And the fruit of the womb is His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Okay, stop right there. Arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. Let's just ask this question first. What can a mighty warrior do if he is skilled at using a bow and arrow? He can hit the target. He will always hit the target. I mean, you've seen, you know, surely you've seen uh, Green Arrow movies or uh, maybe even Robin Hood or whatever. All those trick shots that they make. How, how is it that somebody could make some of those trick shots like shoot an arrow through a ring or hit an apple with it? How can they do that? Repetition, repetition, repetition. They, they shoot arrow after arrow after arrow until they can lock in on a target and automatically when they shoot that arrow, it hits the target. Okay, so you've been invested by God with children. What are you supposed to do? Just let them go feral? Let me tell you, I've got a cat. Okay, we we're talking about how, how animals do what is instinctive for them. Uh, let's take Rocky, for example, our friendliest cat. Oh, and we're there in the house with him. Oh, he just loves on us. He acts like the, uh, uh, his world is there when we're present. I mean, he's just like, oh, I just, I just love you so much. Just love you so much. Bumps up against us and purrs constantly and meows at us. I even, when I leave the house every morning, I say, goodbye, Rosie. Goodbye, Rocky. Like they were little children or something. But if Rocky steps outside the house, he becomes a feral cat. It's like he forgets who we are. Rocky, come. Well, I don't know who Rocky is. I'm a wildcat out here. All I know is chasing birds. I don't know anything about y'all. Who are y'all? I've never seen you before in my life. I mean, that's how he acts. And so when he even gets close to that door, we're, you know, we're rushing to keep him in captivity because once he gets loose, he's practically impossible to get. That is until, you know, dinner time. He comes back because he can't feed himself. But... I, I, I get off track. Children, you just, you have them, you just set them in the corner, let them do whatever they want. No, just like arrows that are in the hands of a skilled warrior, what are you going to do with your children? You are going to point them in, you are going to drill them constantly about the right way to go, the right way to go. And then when they go, where will they go? They will hit the target. 
Okay, continue with that because it becomes important. What if you have lots of kids? What should be the expectation? Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Quiver full. What does that mean? Quiver is the thing that holds the arrows and it is jam-packed with them. Hey, what a blessing for the guy who gives such direction to his children. The more children, the better so far as that goes. Okay, go ahead and finish it out. I'll try, not, I'll try to refrain from stopping. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. So ultimately now when they become adults, when they grow up, when they're on their own, what kind of people will they be? Wise, number one. It all started with somebody who had the investment made into their family by God with children. And then when that investment was made, the parents took that seriously and they gave proper instruction to those children. And then they grow up and hopefully it just perpetuates itself. It just continues to go on and on and on and on. Okay, the last one that I want us to look at is Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19. Now, this is a little bit unusual because this is actually in the setting where the angelic um, visitors come. They're telling Abraham, well, they're about to share with Abraham the fact that they're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But the reflection on the kind of father that Abraham is, is, is beautiful. Okay, go ahead and read that. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. Okay, now, how many children did Abraham have? Well, primarily. I'm not thinking about Ishmael. He kicked them out. But Isaac is the child of promise, right? That's, that's one, but he's talking about children. He's not just talking about what investment he was going to make in Isaac. But then Isaac was going to do with what with his family? And then his family was going to, and then on and on and on and on. But it started with Abraham. And God says, I know him. And I know the kind of person that he is. I know the kind of character that he has. He's going to do great. And that's why he's my guy. I just love that. But truth is, all of us, in this case, who are fathers. But let's just talk about what roots itself there in the Ten Commandments. We saw the father and the mother were to be honored. When, when the father and the mother as a unit are raising their children in the way of the Lord, they're like that mighty warrior that has a quiver full of arrows that he has trained. What can we expect the generations to look like? I mean, we could appropriate that text right there for just about anybody who takes seriously the role that they have in raising their children. Now, here's something. You say, Ken, you, you want to talk to us about having fantastic families tonight. I got a fantastic family. Okay, peace. I hope so. That's great. Congratulations. But, you know, however fantastic that family is, you know, it can, I'm going to make up a word here. It can be fantastic -er. <laughs> it can always be better. 
You say, well, um, maybe, maybe I don't have a fantastic family. I have a so-so family. Well, well, that's okay. If you recognize that that's true, then I'm going to think you have the heart that says, I recognize it isn't like it ought to be. And I'm going to commit myself, just as these, ver- these handful of verses we've just looked at, encourage us to be. Let's take it seriously. And you know what you can do? You can take that so-so family situation and you can make it fantastic. Well, Ken, sorry, not fantastic, not so-so. What I've got is a hopeless situation. Well, okay, you have a hopeless situation. That's, that's your view of the situation. God says, if I will commit myself to doing it right, I could turn this thing around. You know, if I will do the will of the Lord, let's just start right now, then I can begin to turn things around. The reason I know just, just by experience that that can happen. People who have dealt with infidelity in a family, people that have dealt with alcoholism, or drug abuse, or even violence. When those tendencies were reformed in order to fit within the will of God, not only did that reform the individual that was the offender in that situation, but guess what it did to the family? It turned that around too. If we we won't give up on a situation with the view toward healing it, then with God's help, that's exactly what will happen. And there are two things that have to happen. Number one, the love of God. Question, is the love of God going to be there or not? Nod your head this way. (laughs) Yes, Ken, of course the the love of God's going to be there. It's never going to be extinguished. Okay, there's something we can count on, right? So the, the X factor in healing is a decision on the part of those people who are the members of this family. If the family members say no way, then the love of God is not going to fix it all by itself. I have to, I'm the one, I have to take responsibility in setting myself within the will of God in order for any kind of healing ever to take place. You say, well, Ken, there are some people that it just seems like are born into success. You know, it just happens easy for them. That's not the way it is for me. I just ended up in this bad situation. And so it was stacked against me. Here's the thing. Most people who are successful, who we identify as being successful, what happens is we identify them as successful after they have become what? Successful. Right? We say they're successful because they've had a success. But they've had a success because at one time they were not successful. Okay, it's just like all of a sudden now we see them, we're like, well, they've always been that way. Wow, I wish I could be like them. Maybe not. Maybe they had to climb a high mountain to get to where they are today. But regardless of that, success isn't something that you are just born with. Does anybody know who Margaret Mitchell is? She wrote something. In fact, she only wrote one thing her entire life. Gone with the wind. When she first submitted that manuscript, you know what publishers told her to do? Rewrite the story. 
rewrite the story. She refused to do so, and guess what she won? <laughs> Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. Anybody know who Albert Einstein was? Anybody? Okay, nobody? <laughs> Probably everybody, okay. Uh, we, today, we think super genius, all that. You know that when he applied for college, he didn't even pass the entrance exam? He applied to a polytechnic school, in a Swiss polytechnic school. He did great in math and science, but with history and languages, he bombed. He actually had to go to a trade school first. Wait, are we talking about the same Albert Einstein, the guy with the thick mustache and the funny hair? That's him. So we say, why? He was a success, a genius. We want to we look at his brain there in formaldehyde and see if it's different from ours. I mean, there must be some reason why he's so successful. The reason that these people are successful is because they set their mind on doing a thing and then they what? They did it. They did it. They made a commitment and then they followed through on the commitment. Okay, so let's just bring that down to us. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, did you make a commitment or not a commitment? Yeah, and among those commitments is the commitment that you're making, well, I'm, I'm going to guess most of us, if not all of us, are in a family. So you've made a commitment as a child of God who has promised to place themselves within the will of God. You have made a commitment to be in a family and to see to it that that family is successful. Yes or no? Absolutely yes. You say, well, Ken, this or that, this or that. Okay, peace. I, I'm not judging anybody, but I'm saying that even the most disastrous of situations, if the people within that family will commit to it, I know that there are circumstances when either one or the other of the married couple won't do it. But it seems to me like if the two are Christians to begin with, then there would just be an inherent commitment, especially in view of the children, because you know what's going to happen. Whatever happens to those children... Now, you may change and get better, whatever, but those children, once their course is set, there's no telling how that thing's going to unfold. And if you've not been the warrior with those arrows that you should have been, and you didn't train them to strike the target, then eventually they may get out of the home and beyond your care. And yeah, you might get yourself straightened out, but what's going to happen with them and future generations to come? This whole business about family and being and maintaining ourselves within the will of God is deadly, deadly serious. Well, boo, I've got this test for you to do and we don't have time for it. So here's what, <laughs> so here's what I'm going to do. I always get so carried away, Donna, with the explanations, but this is a little thing for you to take home and to do an assessment of your family. It actually deals with all the subjects that we've been dealing with thus far. Commitment, appreciation, affection, positive communication, time together, and spiritual well-being. It ends with 
the ability to cope with stress and crises in your life. There are 10 things that we learned in every single one of those lessons. And what you're going to do is, out beside each one of these, there's a little space. You're going to write either an S to indicate that it is a strength for you and your family, or you're going to write a G, which means that is an area of growth for us. Now, here's what you do when you make assessments. This is true in industry, and this will be true for us. When you find out what your strengths are, those are things that you want to do what? You want to maintain your strengths because that's your, that's your core. That's the thing you stand on. But when you see something that is an area that needs growth, then what are we giving our attention to? The thing that needs the attention, right? The thing that needs to grow. So we're going to hold on to the things that are strong, and then hopefully those will contribute to the things that need growth. So I would appreciate if I had a little help here. Uh, some folks helped to hand these out. I made 70. It looks like that'll probably be enough. These are six general, six general categories. But if you, will, if you will do that and then bring these back with you. Okay, I gave him about half of them. So you guys split those up. And if you guys don't mind looking at those. So you go through, just look at the instructions here. It's very simple. Some of these you'll say, well, this doesn't really apply to me. So just write N-A beside that. And then what you're going to do, when you filled out all 10 of those for each category, then you're going to go through it and see, okay, I've got seven strengths here, but I've got three things that I need, to, I need some growth in. So I want to focus on those. Hey, seven out of ten, is that good or bad? That's huh? out of each category. Yeah, that's, that's good. Hey, that's pretty good. But I've got some areas, to, that's areas to, to grow. Hey, if you've got three that are strong, and you've got seven that need growth, then you need to evaluate your commitment, yes? Am I really taking seriously the responsibility that I have, not just to God, that's number one, but not just to God, to my family? Am I going to lead my family to heaven someday? So will, will everybody do this test? It's not a test, it's just... An assessment. Will you do that for me, please? And then bring it back with you next time and we'll talk about it, okay? Nod your head this way. We will, we will. No, I'm sorry, I'm on vacation next week. Sorry, you're not going to be us. No, please, this is just an exercise. If you don't like it, just fuss at me the whole way as you go through it. What a waste of time. I just can't believe it. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, peace again. But look, we're trying to learn and this is a way to do that. It's just a practical thing. So, you have the very first homework you've ever had in your whole life from a Bible class. All right, let's have a prayer together and then we'll be dismissed. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the privilege that it is to be a child of yours. To know what it's like to have been in sin, hopeless, but to be forgiven. And Lord, when we... When we obeyed the gospel, we made an absolute commitment to serve you. Just out of love and gratitude, that's what motivates us. 
at the same time, Lord, you've given us instruction in so many areas. And for those of us who are parents and grandparents and even great-grandparents, we know that you, you see the importance of relationships. And you don't want us to be alone. You want us to be in families. But Lord, help us to create family environments that are conducive to accomplishing your will. Help us in front of our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren to be the example that they need in a world that is tempting them to choose otherwise. And Lord, help us in our immediate families to enjoy the kind of peace and unity that you meant from the very beginning. And despite anything that anybody might say, I pray, Lord, that knowing, knowing your love is there as a foundation that we will make the decision to place ourselves within your will. And as much as is our ability to do so, just speaking for ourselves personally, that we will do everything we can to see to it that we build fantastic families. And whether, whether we're already enjoying that, I pray that we'll just enjoy more of it. Uh, whether we uh, are experiencing a so-so situation, I pray we'll identify those areas of growth through this exercise and then begin to work on those. Or Lord, if we're in crisis, I pray that we all will be able to redouble our efforts to recommit ourselves to doing your will and to save the families that we're in now, despite the way the enemy has abused us and taken advantage of us. Help us to repent of the things that we've done wrong and to save the most important thing you ever put into our hands, our families. Thank you for the blessing of the examples that you gave us tonight from your word. And thank you for the opportunity that's in our hands right now to change course if that's necessary. Please bless us as we leave this place. And if it's your will that we'll see the light of a new day, I pray that we'll use it to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.